Welcome to Crypto Sapiens, a show that hosts lively discussions with innovative Web3 builders to help you learn about decentralized money systems, including Ethereum, Bitcoin, and DeFi. The podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only, and it is not financial advice. Crypto Sapiens is presented in partnership with Bankless DAO, a movement for pioneers seeking freedom from the limitations of the traditional financial system. Bankless DAO will help the world go bankless by creating user-friendly on-ramps for people to discover decentralized financial technologies through education, media, and culture. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Crypto Sapiens. And today, we are featuring conversations captured live from MCON 2. This was an emotional experience for me personally, as MCON 1 was my first ETH event. And it was also the public debut of Crypto Sapiens. Previous to that, we had published just two episodes. And there I was now hosting live interviews. Thankfully, I was embraced as a longtime contributor and friend. MCON is clearly an important event for the Web3 community. MCON 2 brought together many builders and enthusiasts to experience valuable conversations, learnings, and experimental growth all about DAOs. In this episode, we feature a few of those participants to learn from their stories. I hope that you find the conversations fun and engaging and get a sense of the energy from the event. Our speakers include Nathan from Snapshot, Stacy, Mandy, and Kyle with GM Bus, Xerox Justice from Bankless DAO, Grendel with Polygon DAO, Reese from Coordinate, Diana from Rehash DAO, Sasquatch with Raid Brood, Jen with Crypto Stitch, Keith from Metagame, and Andros from Wonderverse. And a very special conversation with Yalor about the mission of MCON and the impact it has on Web3. So without further ado, let's get started. We're here at MCON 2. We are going to be talking a little bit about introducing the space. So let's go ahead and talk to you. Give us an intro. Who are you? What are you building? You know, what's your takeaway? So yeah, Nathan, my this is my first MCON. I work at Snapshot. I'm I'm the ecosystem lead, in charge of like talking to new people. And uh, yeah, I'm at exactly the right place for to do that. So what are like, some of the conversations you're hearing happening at MCON today? I think a lot of the conversation has been in in the direction of collaboration. How do we get all of these very interesting products that by themselves are quite hard to put in place and make work? How do we get them to work all together seamlessly and offer like a clear experience that not developers can get a hold of and make sense of? So collaboration is a nice word, but I feel like maybe MCON, or at least right before MCON, maybe the bear market influenced more of this to happen. What do you think that we can see from these types of collaboration in the future? Instead of like siloing or working separately, starting to build together, what's, what's going to be unlocked from that? It's interesting because I think the question underlying this question is, how come all of the industries in the world, or almost all of the industries, are trying to shoot each other in the foot? And here you've got like this spirit of collaboration and I was thinking about it this morning and um, my good answer is that it's just really nice people. You know, if you're thinking about like huge human coordination problem and you're thinking about, you know, how to solve them, you're probably coming from a good place. But actually, I think um, my, maybe an even more realistic answer is like the lack of financialization that's still apparent in a, a lot of these projects. They receive funding to solve really hard problems, 
but nobody asked them, you got to make money this year or next year. And this is a special, this is a special chance that we have, I think, in Web3. It's, uh, we get to focus on growth. We get to focus on making things right for the users, making the best experience possible. And that comes by not trying to exploit their data, them, you know, not trying to get them to pay you a lot of money very early. So I think this is really, like the collaboration is a fruit of that in many ways, of that non-crazy financialization of this space. Cool. So walking away from MCON 2, what are you expecting? I think like what's been amazing about MCON is the ratio of people I meet to interesting conversation, I think has never been this high. I've never had this many interesting conversation in a conference and I've been to quite a few conferences. So it's, uh, it's really incredible. I think what I'm walking away with is first like a new sense of, oh my God, there's so many people building cool stuff and they're still like stealth or early stage or they're coming out right now and we're not ready for what they're bringing. And then my second sense is just, I've got like an address book full of people that are super interesting and that I want to collaborate more with and hear more about what they're doing and see how we can integrate this, this into Snapshot because yeah, I think that's what Snapshot is really about. It's about making sure that other projects can come in, click, and, and, and be extremely useful, super excited really. I feel the same way. So it's been really good talking to you too. So thanks so much. So we are actually here in front of the GM bus. And this is a really interesting concept because there's a literal bus or van in front of me. Why don't y'all introduce yourselves and then walk me through some of the kind of things that you've done for the GM bus and maybe some of the, the vision of the GM bus. So I'm Stacy Fronick. I am part of the GM bus crew. And really what we're doing here is we created a bus that is just the whole mission is to go and spread good crypto vibes. So it's about prompt that we have on it is what if it turned out better than you imagined? And so people are drawing and writing their visions about what the world could be if it, everything worked out amazingly. So we're asking people to push their imaginations and draw things on on there that really represent what they'd like to see the world look like. So it's going to go on tour. It's been in California. We're now at MCON. We're going to Austin. We'll be at SmartCon. And uh, hopefully you'll see us back here for season two next year too. What are some of the best answers you've seen on the bus? We have a lot of different people riding on the bus. Everything from kids up to people who are here at the MCON event. So we have fun ones like at the front of the bus, Slay Moloch, which, you know, is the character everybody is kind of like, you know, hey, we're going against this. So it's kind of like, I feel like it's bringing, it's almost like all of these being on here is bringing everybody's vision together in a way. It's a lot of positive energy on the bus. We see each other as one or nature. There's also some on the other side. I'm looking at one side of the bus, but it's on the entire bus. There's some on the other side of the bus that people are sharing that are, that come from some of the actual DAOs that are here and what they're trying to create. So they're, they're in like trying to write their vision. Some of them have these great concepts that they're trying to pull and turn into an actual reality. So it's really fun to see that happening on the bus itself. Well, what's interesting is that, so we didn't even get a chance to introduce you, but you and you, and we'll give a chance to give, give an introduction to who you and you are, is you have a different relationship with the bus too, right? So why don't you both introduce yourselves and tell us what role you played in the GM bus coming to reality? So I'm Mandy Gatlin. 
I'm I'm Kyle Gatlin. We're Misty Off Grid, which is supposed to be a more traditional, bespoke, off-grid, creative solutions. So it could be a cabin, it could be a van, it could be an RV, but helping people to disconnect and be, you know, in a more decentralized world or be sovereign by way of having a vehicle that doesn't rely on a connection to the central grid. So that's kind of some of the stuff that we're interested in. But we met Yaler, who's helping running MCON2. And when he found out that I was looking for a project related to a van, he was like, come build my van, come build my van. So I was like, sure. So essentially what happened is we had an empty Mercedes Sprinter van and we had a few people that had different skill sets and we came together and put plumbing in it, solar in it, electrical system, and basically designed in a way that it could roam around the country helping to spread this message for this year, which is what if it turned out better than you imagined. But we envision this growing into more than just a bus. It could be the, the, we call it the GM bus. It could be the GM machine. People want to do airplanes and decorate airplanes. They want to, they want to do a big, huge sailboat with a big, huge sail that's got a GM sign. And so it's spawning conversations about how we can build more of these vehicles and spread, you know, basically educate people around and spread the knowledge of, of what we're, we're about and then helping to inspire other people into similar venues and do similar things. So now that the GM bus is a reality, what are some of the expectations? Or maybe what were some of the expectations and have that ex has that expectation been met? And how do you set the bar higher? Ooh, that's good. I think we are meeting the expectation of it right now because it is totally getting attention. And that was the whole point of the bus. Um, I mean, anywhere it's parked, if you drive, people are honking, people are looking at it. Um, that's really what we wanted was to um, really kind of like wake people up a little bit and have them, you know, envision things. So that's the whole point. When they come up to ask about it, we get them an acrylic pen. We have them write on the bus their actual vision. Now, I, my further, just personally, would be, let's make those things happen. Like, how do we get those into reality? And I think being here at MCON is where it happens. All the people come together, they're collaborating, they're bringing the energy, they're meeting each other, they're, they're, they're sharing ideas. And I think this is where those, those things start to happen. It starts to come to real life. I like that framing because you can kind of think of like the GM bus that goes around the world, right? Let's assume this was also a plane, was also a boat. Let's assume it could do everything. It goes around the world and it collects inspiration. And then you go to GM house, which is MCON, yeah. and you make it happen. Yeah. That's I like that yeah. way of framing it because it really gives purpose yes. to ideas, right? Well, that's excellent. I would offer this to, you know, you asked about, you know, do we meet expectations? And personally, it blew my own expectations of what this would become because I was, I have the things that I'm into and I like, and I, I offered help in building, but I did not realize the amount of excitement that would be generated. And when these people coming to MCON, they all wanted to see the bus. Like this was one of the things that they were, everybody's excited. And now like Nantz, the Nantz group from Korea, South Korea wanted to, they want a bus there. Like, how can we get one of these? We want one of these buses just like this. And we want to bring it to South Korea and do the same thing there. And there's been a few people across the planet saying, 
how can we do this across the world? And I was like, wow, that really blows my own expectations. The other thing I would offer up that was inspiring was we were in uh, Victor, Idaho, right uh, across the pass from Jackson, Wyoming. No stickers on it. I'm doing finishing touches up on electrical and plumbing. Finally, the graphics get approved. We start putting on the what if you turned out better than imagine, the GM bus logos. All of a sudden, everybody around us, like we lived in a complex, these conversations started happening. So before we even got here, hey, what is this? What are you doing? What are you building? An old lady that was a hippie from the 60s who was feeling rather down on the world. We kind of started explaining from a more positive perspective of the impact of DAOs and what people were doing in the crypto space and that crypto is not just a currency, but it's it's the mechanisms behind crypto that are driving conversations and how we're out there bypassing the old world, old school mechanisms to help others and and get involved and bypass these old traditional structures. And she was just super inspired and like, oh my God, I'm so happy. Like, like I thought the 60s was dead and nothing was around. And you guys are out here doing what we were doing in the 60s and what we were hoping to achieve. Yeah, I like that. It's a technological revolution, but it's a movement, right? It's a sociological movement. So I really love that. Well, thank you so much for your time. This has been fun. Obviously, the GM bus is definitely the hyped piece of MCON and I'm really excited to see just it go across the, the US. Yeah, and maybe even across the outside of the US too. Who knows? Now we're here with one of my good friends, Zero X Justice. But let's do just an introduction. Who are you? What are you working on? This is your first MCON? What I'm working on is um, I kind of got sucked into Web3 18 months ago through Bankless DAO and been jettisoned across the DAO space, the metaverse, and so have kind of made my way from operations to project management to governance, and now I'm coming full back to like incentive engineering, which effectively is kind of like a project management or design type stuff. And so I went to ETH Denver at the beginning of this year. That was my first Web3 event. And I was moved so emotionally by what I was experiencing. I mean, I, I, it sounds crazy, but it was like a spiritual experience, man. And I made a decision right then and there. I said, I am never leaving this movement. I don't care if I have to live in a cardboard box. We will work it out, but I am here to stay. And so now basically every two months or whatever, the next thing comes up, I'm tired, I'm busy. I'm like, gotta go. And then I come and I'm like exploded with creativity and meeting people. And I'm like, man, that's awesome. Them, you know? Okay, so you went to East Denver. This is your first MCON. Give us a bit of compare and contrast. Okay, I would say, you know, there's certainly a difference in scale, right? MCON was like huge and spread out and like all different types of stuff. Um, you know, it's implicit in the name MCON, Moloch Con. And so there's a stronger emphasis on like, like maybe bare metal utility or like a, a, a lower primitive, like philosophical, what we're trying to do. And the smaller scale does actually feed into more richer interactions. You're not just like drowning in people and stuff. So the dynamic here is awesome. It's the closest thing to East Denver, but I would say, you know, better, no offense, right? But um, it's been, it's amazing. And uh, I wish I could split myself into multiple people and not miss any of the freaking talks that are going on, you know? 
So I would agree that they're that Eth Denver and MCon are very different. I think they're both serving different narratives. Yeah. Right? Is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah. So having this be day two of MCon, what are some of the things that you've heard that are inspiring you? And what is it that you're walking away from this space, from this event? I would say this. Effectively, I would say the pattern I've recognized is in the main hall, you have people talking about like deep philosophical stuff. Like, what are we doing? Why are we trying to do it? And then these breakout rooms around, it's more like, what is the the tooling that's new? How do we implement it to affect these changes? And so the most exciting points for me were, were you know, the Moloch DAO V3, the change in those parameters, and like thinking about the gamification around that, and then had the opportunity to be a part of the, uh, the DAO, the first instance of the V3, and we had a ceremony around it. Like literally, the, the founders, the summoner's finger is on the button, on the final button push, and we all put our hands on top of his and pushed at the same time. All we needed was like a big circle and some candles. It was like that. And then also the, the integration and the tight partnerships that happen between freaking Orange Protocol, Sobel, Hats, uh, like all of these coming together to, to evolve in a whole different way where it's not just like, I'm a token holder, I get to vote, but like there's a reputation that a reputation allows me to do more things and a real rigorous, like more contributor funnel type stuff, which I'm excited to get home to like play with all this stuff, you know? So do you think it's the bear market or do you just think that that's MCON and the culture of MCON that's facilitating that type of conversation, that type of collaboration? Man, I, I, everyone talks about the bear market and bull market and stuff. I, I remember like what it was like in the bull market, like waking up and looking at screens and be like, oh my gosh, right? But I'm really not, I'm not feeling all hurt right now. Like this ain't about like trading tokens around to get rich. You can do that without crypto, right? This is about like, changing programmable organizations like defeating Moloch as the meme is, um, solving tragedy of the commons and like doing the tooling to do that. And it's not like you got to be rich to attend this thing. Like a lot of people just, they're here because of the vision and the mission. And um, I don't feel no lack of energy because certain token prices are down. Most people don't even care here about that. Yeah, I think it's strong builder culture here. Oh yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. I loved. Um, I think it was um, who said it. Like on the first day, they said we're transitioning from the notion of what a builder is, of like you're you're on a stage talking about where we're going and where we can go. You are a builder, and that's like so empowering for someone myself who's not like some skilled software engineer. But you know, it's like. So much of Web3 is built on no code. And if you can engineer at a systems level and bring these tools together, you are a builder, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, thank you so much for your time. And any last words? People who work in this space, maybe who don't go to the events, you have to come. If you come, you get imbued with energy and the vision, and then you come back and, and that comes into your building, right? And then your head's down and you're grinding, grinding, grinding. You have to come to get recharged. And once you catch the bug, prices of anything won't matter. All right, so why don't you give us an introduction to yourself? Who are you? What are you building? Is this your first MCON? Hi, hi. Yes, it is my first uh, MCON. I couldn't make it last time. My name, my handle is Grendel. And, uh, well, I am, first of all, uh, Bankless DAO, uh, well, 
like a graduate. Yeah, a graduate from Bankersdale. And this is where uh, everything that I know and so on uh, came from, come from. Because at the end, Bankersdale was very transformative for me. Right now, I'm working with Polygon. Uh, my role is DAO lead, meaning that I'm taking care of the Polygon DAO. But uh, the most important and thing, after all, is always uh, being connected with the ecosystem. The overall ecosystem supports everyone that is building. So I, I could say that uh, I am kind of working on an infrastructure to give the chance to others uh, to, to build. I mean, the Polygon ecosystem is quite large. There's a lot of really good projects on there. The Polygon DAO community is quite large. Give me a sense of like the conversations that are being had here and how that bridges over across communities, across blockchains. One thing that uh, I can say after being here for these two days, listening to some panels and so on, is that this is a community itself. So every one of us that is involved in a DAO, in a group, could be decentralized or not, could be a community. Well, we are part of the same thing. We are part of the same movement. So being on Bankless DAO is just because, well, you, you happen to be there. You could be on another DAO in another group, but everyone is aware of what is happening everywhere and uh, they will, well, organically join other communities. What uh, really could be seen here, uh, really ha happy to see it, especially on today panel with Sobol and uh, with Orange Protocol is seeing people that are ready to work together to build uh, something new, something different that could really help the others build. This is, uh, I think, the best lesson that we got here. If we have the chance to work together and then sometimes also to meet in person, well, everything can become smoother and it becomes simpler because at the end uh, we can build over on top, not just of the reputation that we have because I we are, everyone is online all the time, but also because we can become friends, we can become, uh, we can uh, uh, reveal our weakness that are the ones that make us stronger. And this is the best way to build because you know the other people on the other side of the, of the screen, meeting them in person. I think that this retreat is very, very important for the space. Tell me a little bit about in-person experiences and for you at least, how does that impact you? How does that change the way that you are? I can say that, well, I, well, first of all, who does not love traveling? And traveling from one crypto event to another, I think, is one of the best experiences that I can actually recall from my life. Being able to meet people in these events, uh, well, first of all, when you start doing it, you feel less alone. Because you understand that what you think, what you were thinking, best part of your life and so on, it's not just in your head. It's something that is understood and it is what everyone else that you will meet actually is thinking and doing. And this is great. You cannot get the same feeling on a call because on a call, usually you lack the chit chat. You lack the fact that you have the time to talk about, I don't know, the family that you have, the places that you love, uh, going to eat with someone and you can find that someone, I don't know, want to eat fish or will want to eat meat and so on. But this is important because at the end, you will understand more the people that you are talking with. And this is the best way, way to build together because it is not just about, I don't know, a composable piece over a composable piece. And it is very important. But it, uh, it is actually building everything on a human framework, on a human network. And in my opinion, it is uh, really after 
well, being able to test money to, to check many of them, this is the best way to do it. And it is where what we call now reputation for DAOs that at the end means uh, being able to interact with others that we don't know yet. But this fir first form of reputation will always start from the human level, from the human interaction and especially in person. I hope I'm not rambling uh, too much. No, 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 you're not. So my last question for you is, so MCOM 1 happened, MCOM 2 is about to close out. What would you like to see from MCOM 3? Well, I see MCOM 2. I was not here during MCOM 1, but MCOM 2 seems to me a pre-startup phase. It is the place where people are still working on ideas, working on defining new patterns, new frameworks, new building blocks that will be uh, the fruitful place where everything will grow. So this startup phase, this pre-startup phase at one point should become a startup phase. And hopefully next year it will be even more about building. All right, thank you. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think that this space is definitely focused around builders, around collaboration. So I certainly expect more of the same. Uh, but who knows? Like going into 2023, Different market situation, the maturity of DAOs might be different. So an evolution, collaboration, identity, reputation, who knows? It should be fun. Yeah, I agree with you. And especially on the fun part. And uh, well, we are still here on the, on the, on the event and we already are waiting for the next one. So this, uh, this gives uh, the idea how much we love this space. <laughs> All right. Thank you for your time. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Hi, right, man. Well, why don't you give us an introduction to yourself? what it is that you're representing here, and tell us, is this your first time, Con? Hey, I'm Maurice, and um, I am kind of just a, a dower. I'm trying to help DAOs do coordination better, and I am working with Coordinate on that front. I'm the community manager, and no, this is my second MCON, and um, it's just as good as the first one was, so that's awesome. So I think for anyone who's listening, Coordinate might not be something that they are not familiar with. Because I think Coordinate has done a tremendous job at uh, integrating with DAOs. But for those who may not know, what is Coordinate? Coordinate is a decentralized way for communities to compensate their team. And not only compensate, but also like uh, express gratitude to the people who they're working with. So we've taken that decision of who gets paid what and moved that down to the community. So team members in a circle can now allocate to um, each other rather than getting a grant or a fixed payment from their uh, larger DAO team. Why is it important for peers to recognize one another versus hiring them or paying them as a role? So there's nothing wrong with hiring them or paying them as a role, but the way that we found um, teams to really enjoy using Coordinate is because now the people who are making the allocation decisions are the people who are closest to the work being done. So instead of like a manager or some kind of supervisor trying to overview and oversee like, oh, who's doing this? How much are they doing? Do I need to work on these guys? The people who are allocating are the people who are, are right next to the work that's being done. And so not only do they get to compensate their peers, they get to like congratulate them and say like, man, great job on that PR, great job on that design. Really like that tweet thread, it made me laugh. Like you get to do fun notes into the coordinate giving that really kind of makes that community uh, feel really emanate throughout the, the whole DAO. So peer-to-peer -peer incentives, what signal do you think that that gives 
uh, to another individual, maybe someone who received a t- uh, you know the, the give or the incentives from their peers. What signal does that give across DAOs too? So the signal that I think um, people are getting from Coordinate is oh, twofold. So I think on one front, the DAO has an idea of like, where is value being created? Who are the, the kind of like key players who are really helping move the ball forward? Because those members are receiving give that um, from, from various different places. Um, and then on the contributor front, now you're you're like encouraged and uplifted by the people who have given to you and left notes and sometimes people don't give to me but they'll leave a note and that feels really like i remember those notes way more than i remember the give amount that i've ever received and that's that's a cool feeling it's a personal touch right 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 so from mcon one to mcon two what are some of the changes that coordinate has gone through oh man uh a lot a lot of changes it's been it's been a long year. I remember we were uh, we were working on vaults for MCON one, and uh, we were a little bit naive, perhaps, on like how much work that was going to be. But um, we have we've shipped vaults, we've shipped fixed payments, we've uh, shipped a lot of uh, UI and UX improvements, um, which of which there's a lot more to come. So we have uh, we've been working pretty hard on um, making Coordinate more fun to use. And, there's definitely more to come on the fun to use front. So that's going to be a, a big deal. And I guess since MCON 1, we've also had integrations with Parcel and Dwork. And we've got some more integrations coming down the line that I can't talk about yet, but they'll, they'll be uh, announced relatively soon. So those are, those are fun things for us to be looking forward to. So one of the things that if you are a Coordinate user that, at least for me, is quite uh, moving, it definitely uh, is one of the more interesting elements of it is the graph. There is that connection between peers and that kind of strengthening of those bonds over time. What was the vision behind that graph and how could that graph be repurposed in the future? That's a great question. So um, for people who aren't familiar with Coordinate, the graph is a series of profile pictures that represent the users who are in the circle. And then there are lines of different colors and varying weights based on like whether they received from someone or whether they gave to someone. And that graph is really kind of the sense-making tool that uh, DAOs are using to be able to say, where's value going and where's value being created in our DAO? Um, that was kind of the the uh, the initial design was like, how do we do this? How do we like figure out where is value being created? And so that was kind of the driving force for the map. Um, but going forward, we've we've got now a read API and a write API. So if you're in a circle, you can see all of that data. Um, and part we had a we were coming off of a team retreat the week beforehand, and so. We've really leaned into, got a lot of energy around, like, how can we tweak this graph so that people can get more data out of it, so people can make more sense from the data that they are, they are creating. Um, and so that's going to be something that we're really looking forward to seeing, like, what we come up with, what our community comes up with, and uh, how DAOs can really put that to work. Now, that's wonderful. So let's look into the future MCOM 3. Where's Coordinate then? Oh, man, MCOM 3. Let's see. Uh, Hopefully, Coordinate is kind of a, a synonymous tool with like DAO compensation. That's that's really kind of, one of where we want to be is we want to be one of the tools that DAOs, when they spin up or when they're getting started, they just say, well, duh, we're going to use Coordinate because that's the easiest way for us to um, pay and compensate our team. And then um, 
hopefully, hopefully people are like jazzed to use it. It's like, oh, sweet, another epic. I get to go and allocate to the people who I work closest with, the people who are kind of becoming my family as we're going through and we're doing this this uh, new goal. There's a strong social uh, kind of piece to coordinate, I think, that may still be untapped. But that's like the piece that really excites me. The incentives, I think, are really strong in terms of like that layer of connection to DAOs and individuals. But like expanding on that idea of the people that you've worked with, expanding on the idea of the uh, maybe across different DAOs too, I'd, I'd really love to see that unpacked in the future. Yeah, we are super excited to collaborate with any kind of reputation folks like Orange or uh, Gitcoin Passports or whoever may be out there who wants to do some kind of like um, take our data and and like let users opt into saying, yeah, I want my data to be able to be used in this Gitcoin Passport or in this Orange or in this uh, this reputation tool. Um, and then then let teams decide like okay this this tool this uh this reputation is going to be used in a in some kind of strategy some kind of like build out to where like someone of super high reputation can can give more or can uh can receive uh from different people so that is uh there's a whole lot of blue space up above us for people to kind of figure out how they want to use that and we're happy to help enable that cool man well i mean thank you for your time i'm Big fan of Coordinate. I can't wait to see you all continue to evolve. Always a pleasure. Thank you, sir. All right. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Who are you? What are you building? Uh, so my name is Diana, and I'm working on Rehash DAO. Um, a little bit about my background, the TLDR, is I started out as an attorney, turned into a travel blogger, and then got into Web3. So uh, that's the short version. And then what I'm working on now, Rehash, is a. it started as a podcast DAO, but it's turned into... Um, a lot more than that, we're building it out into like a content media service DAO where we help Web3 projects. Well, that's really good. And I mean, that's kind of the vibe here, right? There's like a lot of different projects that are talking about privacy. But so going back to media, and I don't know, there's a space to bridge privacy. Let's talk about it. But let's also talk about like some of the innovative use of technology that Rehash is ha doing. Sure. Yeah. So, um, I mean... Right. There isn't really like a direct link to privacy other than, you know, that we just kind of value it. Um, but some of the cool things that we're doing at Rehash, like we started as a podcast DAO, uh, but we're trying to broaden out into that. So we're exploring a lot of new DAO tools that are out there, like Govern is one of them. Um, Lens is one that has been, I think it's going to be extremely powerful. Like we're posting all of our videos on LensTube and uh, we're using Lenster and just, you know, trying to like, early on get a hold on our social graph and be able to own that ourselves instead of giving it away to like Twitter and YouTube and all of those things. So I'm really, really excited about Lens and everything they're building out. Um, and then some of the DAO tools like Govern that just help you organize better as a DAO. I think DAO ops are a really big challenge right now in the space. And so I'm excited for the problems that those tools can help solve. What is the role of media in Web3? I think media has a big role to play in Web3. Right now, you know, most of the mainstream still doesn't fully understand what Web3 is. And so media is really needed and important to craft that narrative for the mainstream audience about what Web3 is and help them understand, you know, that like crypto is not just a scam um, and that there's actually like a lot of cool use cases for it and 
help them really understand what decentralization means and not just like speculate on prices and get scammed by NFT projects and things like that. So me, I mean, media has a huge role to play. And so we want to be on the front lines of crafting that narrative because we know that we can, um, you know, like we understand what Web3 is about and can tell that story in, uh, in, in, in a positive way way. So is this your first MCON? Yes, it is. Yeah, I couldn't make it last year. I was really bummed about that. But all my friends came and said it was like the best crypto event they went to. So this year I was like, I have to come. Cool. So what is your takeaway from MCON 2? The takeaway is really just that like, um, everybody is, everybody is like excited about DAOs. Everybody's excited about building. I think now being in a bear market too, there's a lot less noise than there otherwise might be. And so the people are just really focused and like really excited to experiment. And I think that's um, that's an important thing in this space right now is don't be afraid to experiment because everything is new and there isn't a playbook. So we're just testing things out. And that's the only way we'll really figure out what works and what doesn't. Cool. Well, thank you for your time. Thanks so much. All right. So we're here with Sasquatch. But... Raid Brew is really what you're representing, as you literally just told me. So walk me through, first of all, who you are, what got you here, and what is Raid Brew? Right on, man. Uh, first of all, thanks, Humpty. Glad to see you again. Um, so Raid Brewed is kind of my first full circle. Uh, I was a brewer for eight years. Uh, through COVID, that became a very difficult industry to be in, if you weren't already making beer, because we did drink a lot more into COVID. But uh, starting a new project in COVID was a bad thing for me. And so I moved into Web3. And through that, I got into Raid Guild. And I told them when I joined that I was a brewer. And ever since then, they've been pushing me to start a DAO based around beer and brewing beer. And so just last, last November, we started a Yeeter with uh, the guys from DAO House, right? Deacon and Sam and all the good boy people there. Um, and we gathered some funds from some amazing people and started this DAO. We went to a local brewery here in Denver called Wood Spots Brewing and made Blood of Moloch, which is a thick, thick, dirty imperial stout. That was MCON 1 beer. No, this is Eat Denver beer. Oh, okay. So we brewed it right after MCON 1. Okay. But we didn't release it until Eat Denver okay. because it needed time. It was too hot. It's too big. Um, and that was our first iteration. That was our first launch of the DAO. Um, so now we're here. Now we have Red Pill, which is representing the opposite of Blood We had huge 14% big-ass beer. And now we have the light Pilsner, right? And Blood was the very Web3 focus. You had to have funds on XDI. You had to know what Gnosis Chain was. You had to know what Yeeter was to participate. And now Red Pill, you can literally get a can, scan an NFT off the can label, and now you're part of the DAO. Okay, so let's just rewind a little bit because Raid Brood as a DAO really just goes to show a DAO can be anything. It's really just about bringing people together. Yeah, 100%. I mean, this all came to be because people within Raid Guild and within that, that community love beer. And they saw that they had someone that knew how to make beer and they encouraged me to follow that forward, right? So... I mean, honestly, it's just whatever anybody, any community wants to create or build or get behind, they can form it, right? We have the power now to like take all this energy and channel it into a, a thing you can hold in your hand. 
Or technology. I mean, there's nothing, nothing wrong with that either. Well, it's both because I am holding technology in my hand. You just said, get the NFT, become a member of the DAO. Like, tell me a little bit about the, the, the thinking behind doing something like that. So honestly, the thinking behind it is that we had to do it this way. We had to do this way because we needed to form a club that we could gift beer to. So this is our slightly sneaky way of uh, forming a DAO out of the people who enjoy the beer. So we want you to... Your, your contribution, contribution excuse me, to the DAO is now your, your method into this can. So this can now is like is your membership, your share in the DAO. And that is what we use to kind of like hijack the spinning up of a DAO, right? Onboarding people into Web3 through a thing they, they can hold rather than, you know, here's what a DAO is. Here's how to get funds on the right chain. Here's this whole big process. It's like, let's make it as streamlined as possible. Well, I mean, it just takes the idea of an airdrop to another level, right? Because when you're creating a model to airdrop, you got to curious, like, who am I going to, who am I going to share this token with so they can be a part of my ecosystem? You've taken it a step further. You're like, anybody who enjoys beer, who's holding this in their hand is the person that we want in our community. Yeah, exactly. You nailed it, man. Yeah. It's, this is, it's like self-selecting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you want to go get a vodka soda, great. You're not a member of the DAO. Yeah. If you like beer, you're a member of the DAO. Yeah, and we don't we don't hate anybody. Anybody who wants to drink or not drink or vodka sodas or we don't like seltzers though. No seltzers. I'm sorry, <laughs> um, but it is a really cool thing that not only not only are, is this a way to bring people into like a new experience, but it's honestly a way to be, give people ownership over something they enjoy. Because honestly, you do have ownership. Like you now have a share in the DAO, like with one beer. Maybe it's only one beer or one share for one beer, but you still have ownership. That's amazing. So. Obviously, this is not your first MCON. I've seen you at MCON 1. I saw you at MCON 1. Oh, no, I saw you at ETH Denver. Okay, see, now I'm totally getting mixed up. Okay, so this is your first MCON. Give me a little sense of like what this meant to you. Like, what did you, what did you resonate with from MCON 2? Uh, for me, it's been really nice uh, to kind of see to see the thing that a lot of like my friends have built, right? Um, you know, I'm not a Mar I'm not a Medic Cartel member, but I'm friends with a lot of them. And so this is really amazing to see this this whole experience, this whole extravaganza that they really kind of curated and built up out of nothing. Um, and it's brought together so many cool people from so many different projects. And honestly, the thing that stands out to me is it's like there's so much there's so much heart and soul here, like. I think it says something that the MCON, like the MCON legacy, it's doubled or tripled from MCON 1 to MCON 2. And we've entered the bear market. We're in the bear market now, right? So if we're thinking about any other kind of festival or crypto conference, right? There would probably be less energy at those because of the situation we're in, but not here. Because either there are people that are really invested in this space and in building it. No, for me, certainly the takeaway is like the collaborative spirit from individuals to projects. It's been really wonderful to see. And I agree with you. It's very different from anything else I've seen. I actually call this an unconference because of that, because it does not feel like a conference. It's a coming together of people who care about similar things and want to see the world succeed because of these values that permeate the ecosystem.
Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, there's so much, so much generosity in the space right now, in this space, like this physical space that we're in right now. Um, you know, just I, the thing that comes to me right now is that I sat down with the guys from Cabin Now for like a half hour, and you know, just run me through their whole their whole uh, protocol, their whole ideas, and I don't know. There was no expectation of any sort of like monetary game or any collaboration coming from that or anything. It was just sharing what they've built and what they're stoked on. And, you know, maybe there's something that can happen in the future. But I think that's one of the beautiful things about it. It's like a freedom of exploration that's not tied to any sort of like, I'm going to win. That's amazing. Well, I mean, but thank you for your time and thank you for the beer. Yeah, anytime, Abdi. So it's taken way too long for us to get together and have a chat. But tell me a little bit about yourself. Who are you? What are you working on? And what brought you to MCOM? Okay, uh, so my name's Jen. I am a lecturer in fashion marketing and branding at Nottingham Trent University. Um, but I also have a creative practice that is focused on making art that kind of reflects and comments on and thinks about the Web3 space. So I've bought three large pieces of cross-stitch or large pieces of art, um, which is part of a series called 21st Century Prospectors where we take characters um, who either are integral to crypto or are going to influence kind of Web3 in the future, and we reimagine them um, as kind of goodies or baddies from the Wild West era um, through the medium of cross-stitch done in a kind of dithered style. So it's kind of a massive mismatch of lots of different things, um, but it's been sort of, you know, fun to kind of bring our offering and bring the offering and have it here engage with dialogue with people about it. But that's the beauty of it, isn't it? It really isn't just one thing. This thing really kind of crosses over to different interests, different communities, different cultures. Uh, walk me through your first experience with MCON, because I know MCON 2 isn't your first experience. So we were here last year, but not in, not in person. Uh, we, last year, we sent um, 24 small cross-stitches that were commissioned um, to be sort of representations of sponsors' logos. So they were very small and, you know, there was the little Metafactory one, Gitcoin, the, we had three dancing chilies. Um, so loads of different logos and they went up for auction last year. Um, so that was kind of the first iteration. And then from that, really the creative practice has grown. And I think that kind of gives you the confidence that actually what we're doing, it is exciting to somebody other than just me. Because I think when you're a creator, you make the work that you love and you show it to other people. And there's always a bit of anxiety around that. And so it was, you know, it was confidence and it was kind of a bit of a pat on the back and a push in the right direction to say, keep going. So we've been doing lots of, you know, different things. And, you know, when we've been to conferences, sort of starting to think about the kind of art that we can make that really responds not just to the kind of the pop culture sort of kitschness of it, which is, I think, what what the big series does, but also responds to kind of some of the ideas and how they manifest themselves. Um, and never, I think most of what we do also has a bit of a tongue-in-cheek British mentality about it. Okay, I want to touch on that. But I do also want to acknowledge that I've seen, specifically in this MCON 2, a little bit of what you're talking about, where it isn't just about the technology. There's a bus sitting outside the space, and they're talking about how they can create narratives and how they can transcend crypto to people who don't know or care about it. I've seen somebody playing the fiddle, kind of 
just jamming and really bringing together people with music. Tell me a little bit about like your personal experience as an artist coming here, some of the reception that you've got and like really, what is it about MCON that you're taking away? So, so the reception, what's been great is that every person you speak to has a completely different perspective on what it is you do. And that kind of that diversity is, it's just so nice to kind of, you know, have some people who just want to talk about the characters. A lot, you know, other people want to talk about how long it takes you and kind of that, like the labor involved in it. Um, so kind of never knowing the conversation you're about to have, I think is really exciting. Um, and I think what I'd take away. So I've, I've done a couple of conferences before, but I've, I've always felt very uncomfortable with being an outsider. Because, you know, I work in a university, all very safe. It's not, you know, I'm not one of these people. And here, I still feel like that. But I also don't feel like I can't have a voice within that. And that it's almost like I feel more like there's a path to be like, oh, that's how I could become an insider. That's, that, that, that might be my place here. And I'm not sure I felt that anywhere else. It's always been a bit more of a question mark of like, here's my imposter syndrome. And that's so massive that, that I haven't been able to erase that at all and like put anything else there. Whereas I, th I think here that it's been degraded a little bit. And, you know, I have been able to erase that imposter syndrome a bit. They're like, okay, so, you know, here's what the future might be. So I will agree with you that this space, this event is very unlike most conferences. I keep calling it an unconference because it's very much not a conference. It's just people coming together that share philosophies, values. It really isn't about the technology. It's really about the impact, right? So let's talk about your work and how it's evolved from MCON 1 to MCON 2. I want to think about MCON 3. What will that look like? So, I mean, the evolution of the work is that it's gone from the derivative i.e. here's a picture that someone else has designed, can you recreate it in your medium? Um, which is fun, but, you know, when you're working with beautiful logos, so like the Dow House logo, it's just my favorite thing ever to embroider. So like when you're, you know, it, I'm not complaining about that, but it was, it was derivative and, you know, we knew that when we did it. Here we've come with our own offering and, and that's really, like from a creative perspective, that's really exciting to feel like, ah, my own offering has a place here, not just that recreative kind of process. Um, and then for me, thinking about the future, one thing that I feel like with the conferences that they do is that they land in places and they happen. And they happen, however, yeah, we're sat in a garden and we're looking outward, but everything happens inward still. And I think that art specifically and image and narrative have the power to talk to people out there, not just in here. And that's how I would like to think about kind of my art and what I might produce. And some of what I'm thinking about is almost, you know, I'm almost looking at like science and public engagement and saying, how do they do public engagement? How can that be something, you know, how, how can what I do invite people in to get excited about the mythologies and the ideologies that everyone here is excited about. So what I'm hearing is cross-stitch graffiti for MCON 3. I mean, I don't know if it's graffiti or like, I, so I saw a huge tapestry recently that was like so massive in its storytelling. It was like a comic book. And I'm not saying I'm going to do a cross-stitch comic, but I'm, I'm thinking about the cross-stitch in narrative terms, not just in visual terms, I think. I love it. Well, I mean, thank you so much for your time and for being patient and for just definitely bringing to MCON 2 
what you have. I'm really excited to hear more about the work that you've been doing, follow it and see that evolution in the future. Thank you very much. We love you chatting. Awesome. So walk me through, introduce me to who you are. What is that you're building? And tell me, is this your first MCON? This is my first MCON. What do I do? I'm Pete, this one of the weird people in the crypto space. Uh, so what got me really into it, like years ago when I watched these Zeitgeist documentaries, which are about, like they were proposing new kinds of society, new, a new kind of uh, socioeconomic system, a resource-based economy. So like post-capitalism, post-money, blah, blah, blah. And so that, that got me researching like uh, eco-villages and self-sustainable living and all that sort of stuff. And then years later, I decided to rewatch it. This time it was a bit more cringe. It made a lot of impact on me when I was younger, but... And it's like still powerful ideas. But then two days later, I found Ethereum. It's like, whoosh, like this is the software layer. Like this is the technology that allows us to experiment with new kind of socioeconomic systems and to build like these decentralized societies and all of that. So I was instantly hooked and I just got deep into it right away. And then 2009, 2019 came around. I joined the Meta Cartel. I saw this onboarding problem and like general navigation problem of not seeing like what the fuck is going on, who are these people, this is just a telegram group, what the fuck do I do? And uh, then so I started working on this thing called Meta Cartel Black Paper and then the more I was developing this whole concept, the more it made sense to like build this for the general space because the whole space has an onboarding problem, why should I build the whole platform just for this one DAO? And that's so really the, the beginning of meta game, which we categorized as a massive online coordination game. And it really starts as building this onboarding machine for the DAO space and the quote unquote decentralized factory. So bring together service DAOs and project DAOs and uh, like knowledge resources to make it as easy as possible for people to build cool shit, like get, get involved in the space. But the long-term idea is really to have this whole alternative socioeconomic system along with uh, physical locations, which we actually already have a few in the network, but we haven't like put them up on the website or anything. But yeah, have this whole alternative socioeconomic ecosystem with pockets of economies where people can jump between and stay at, like the cabin places. And like, so if Metagame is a massive online coordination game, then like, what are we coordinating for towards? And uh, the answer would be like finding the most optimal ways to play life. So like individually and collectively. So like uh, helping people find uh, like level up, find uh, work that's meaningful for them, like start project that they want to work on or like get paid and generally support projects that are trying to do something good for the world. So we're like, we're building this network more focused on service DAOs for so far, but now we're going to focus more on onboarding like uh, region projects. That's good. So, okay, I'm going to rewind a little bit. You said the weird, you're the weird guy of, of this space. What's the weirdest thing you've seen? Oh. The guy running around the chili suit. That <laughs> was really funny. I thought, like the weirdest thing right, right here? Yeah. No, I mean, just generally, like ETH. What's the weirdest thing? Oh, the weirdest thing? People getting more money in airdrops than getting paid by for working in DAOs. <laughs> That's kind of fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> That's weird, like people getting free money and getting more money than actually working. So is that a coordination failure or a coordination win? Uh, I'm not sure. I liked it in the beginning and I was like, wait, like all these people like are getting more money by 
hunting for air jobs than working in metagame. And I'm trying to do this like purest thing of building a project without uh, raising any funding. So it was hard, like keeping people's attention. So with metagame, what's like the vision and what's the next step for what y'all are building? So we are releasing the 1.0, like the whole platform the, on September of the 22nd. So it comes with a thing called the MetaOS, which is something that other projects will probably find useful. So the way we, the reason we built it for ourselves is because we just were using like 15 different tools and platforms that were all across different websites. So we just wanted to build a thing that brings all these pieces together. So it's just like a, a mega menu with three drawers and a dashboard that has all the data about the community, like the news, the calendar, the like your stats, like XP stats, token stats, things like that. And the idea is to really make it as simple as possible to for people to build custom integrations. And so what this is going to eventually enable this is sort of like a user-centric web. Although we explain MetaOS as a operating system for composable communities. And then the idea is that other communities will just take this platform, customize it to their own needs, deploy it, and then their members can also like customize their dashboards for their own needs. If you really want to like get away from this like org center design, which all the applications are like going towards. Like everybody's going with this Discord approach. Like on the left side, you choose organizations, and then each organization has their own like little uh, silo. And like actually, the first way I was describing metagame, like the reason for being was like breaking down these silos. And it's like being perpetuated by people who are building like in the same pattern of like everything being organization centered. And so we want to unlock this by having this building blocks that are interoperable. So like the profiles that are like all interoperable between the communities, but then everybody can customize their own experience and like plug in these different Web3 building blocks. So if you know any cool uh, like protocols or building blocks that could be plugged in, like next big integration, we build something like D-Work. Like we have our own questing system, but we want existing ones in there. And like anything to be integrated into the dashboard or like a cool service DAO or project DAO. Like, yeah, there's ways to get involved. So let me ask you a question. In a perfect world, metagame uh, is integrated to MCON3. How does that work? How does it work? Uh, it helps MCON source people who will organize it. Uh, helps with like generally coordinating it, putting out bounties for other people who might want to not be maybe in the organizing team, but want to help with other things. Uh, generally helping bring people into MCON because like uh, we have this growing media arm that's from the beginning of part of Metagame. So we have a fairly big newsletter, we have our own podcast. Uh, so like, yeah, What's the name of the podcast? Uh, Meta Radio. It actually has multiple series. So we want to like build into like a podcasting network now, but uh, we focused on other things so far, but we have multiple series ourselves. Nice. I'm at, sounds like there's a lot happening, especially in the near future for Metagame. So if someone is just learning about it, what do you want to tell them? What do you want them to know? What I want them to know, I just want them to check it out because we've been working on it for three years and we're finally about to launch 1.0. And so like all the pieces are in line. So we just need people to start going through it and uh, testing it. Let us know what they like and what they don't. And yeah, there's three types of participants. You can join as a person, as a player. So people who are contributing or building metagame. And that's the only way to produce our token. And you can join as a patron, which are people who are just supporting financially by buying these tokens. Or you can join as a project so you can like 
uh, plug into this network of service DAO so you can get your project promoted through our newsletter or our podcast or we can integrate your protocol like into the MetaOS. So there's, yeah, like many different ways to get involved. All right, man. Thank you so much for your time. This was really great learning from you a little bit more, but also learning about... So we're here uh, still at MCON 2. So give us an intro. Tell us who you are. What are you working on? First time at MCON? This is my first time at MCON. This is Andros. Uh, I'm one of the co-founders of, of Wonderverse and one of the co-founders of, of StemsDAO. Um, and really, really grateful to be here. It's an amazing place with a lot of great builders. And thank you so much, Humpty, for interviewing me. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about what you're building. Yeah, so Wonderverse is a Web3 native platform that helps decentralized or decentralizing organizations, protocols, NFT projects, etc. manage their end-to-end workflows from managing proposals to projects to contributors, helping contributors get paid, helping them um, earn reputation as they contribute. Currently, we work with over 160 Web3 organizations, including like Gitcoin, DYDX, Radical, Bankless DAO, etc. And since our contributor launch in sort of mid-June, we also have over 18,000 contributors. So yeah, really excited to just be growing in this space. Um, and then the other project that I'm part of, Stems DAO, we basically work with artists to drop stem layers of their songs as NFTs to make it easy for people to uh, remix music, for people to earn royalties if they own parts of a song. So, so at MCON, this is a DAO-focused event, primarily. So what are some of the things that you've taken away and maybe are going to be influencing some of the projects that you're working on? I think a lot of, of what we've learned and, and seen, um, even just like in MCON and outside of MCON, is, is this kind of refocus and restructuring in a sort of like, quote-unquote, bear market, right? A lot of people are doing, you know, reorgs in terms of governance. I think uh, it seems like a lot of people are moving away from the idea of like just complete decentralization um, and like finding a happy medium between kind of like, what does it mean to have working groups? What does it mean to have pods? What does it mean to have leaders within each um, sort of working group take accountability, you know, um, be able to have, you know, their own separate budgets. Uh, and then alongside that, um, just maybe like doing more core teams, sort of workflows that includes like your community rather than like, you know, just thinking that bounties are the other other future, um, which I think is is really interesting. And obviously like we're still constructing the playbook for operations in the future, um, but that's what we're here to here to help with. This is what we're here to do. So, yeah. So, if there was one thing that you heard or that you've maybe uh, seen happening at MCON that has been inspiring to you that you're walking away from and saying, "That's what MCON means to me," what would that be? Yeah, I honestly think like you know, obviously we were part of the main panel um, and we went to a, a bunch of events yesterday, just like outside of. The, the panels, but really, I think two things. Uh, this was repeated again and again, which is coordination is not only a infra and tooling problem; it is essentially a human problem. And the way we're all here gathered together, chatting about our shared problems, chatting about our shared mistakes—that's how we move forward. And you know, even if we, or when we build the most advanced tools, it still requires people to be able to work together, to be able to, you know, collaborate. Um, and obviously, there will be you know bad actors or, or whatever in the space, but I think you know remembering that we are humans working together is actually very key. And um, I think that's the future of decentralized organizations, right? Like it might not 
necessarily be completely on chain. But at the same time, it's just people from everywhere in the world coming together, working on like really interesting problems. So yeah. Love it, man. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much, Humpty. Cheers. Tell me a little bit about the intention behind MCON, just generally. The intention of MCON is really to curate a group of kind of deep DAO folks, like people who are in the space, people who are working, building, like kind of really at the cutting edge of what's happening with DAOs specifically. The event theme is um, one for the purists, the DAO purists. And so we spend a lot of time curating those folks by basically like checking Twitter bios, looking at GitHub repos, seeing what kind of content they post up. So like when you apply, you will be reviewed, right? And just to see where people are at, like to get a temp check, I think, ultimately. Um, and so through that process of like, you know, kind of curating those folks, you get a really good blend of people from across the space and you get high signal folks who are generally in the ecosystem, have a lot of knowledge to offer and are, you know, um, at the cutting edge of what's happening with DAOs. So you get a bunch of cool conversations, you get people who are working on things that might be tangential to what you're working on. Um, and you're, you're not surrounded by any degens, <laughs> which helps a lot when you're like, turn to your right, oh, that's a values aligned person. Turn to your left, oh, there's a cool researcher like who's doing something fun. So like, you know, it helps a lot to bring the vibe up and to surround, to be surrounded by people who you would be interested in or who are interested in talking to you basically. Yeah, that's a good point you made about DGENs, right? I mean, we just talked about that and how other events don't necessarily curate it the way MCON is. And there's still a lot of noise. And it's hard to find the quality people that you want to talk to and you want to build with. I found, to your point about look to your left, look to your right, that almost everywhere you went, there were interesting conversations that people were having. And all it took was a, hello, you know, I'm Humpty, this is what I'm doing. And they would, in, they would involve you in that conversation. And suddenly it was like this, oh, so like we're planning on doing this collaboration. What is it that you're doing? Okay, I think it could fit this way. There was, there was almost like this collaborative element to the discussions even. I think it's a vibe, right? It's like kind of setting the culture of like collaboration, openness, exploration, um, is the underlying current of MCON. Um, other events, I think, are they kind of try to create this element of exclusivity, which automatically excludes per, like certain persons, right? And that is one of the biggest issues that I see in the crypto space is that it's so exclusive because you're already at this cutting edge of like technical talk and knowing what a blockchain is and being able to navigate wallets and stuff like this, that we're in a niche of a niche of a niche. And when you start to create these like tribal niches um, at events like this, it, it gets a weird feel, right? Where you're like, well, I'm not, I'm not part of this, right? Or I'm not with, I don't like fit in with these people. And that is exactly the, the, the opposite of what we want to do with the technologies that we're developing. So the theme of a conference needs to reflect the desire to interface and interact with people who are not from my clique, right? And that's easiest saying, hey, what's up, man? What do you work on? What do you do? What are you interested in, right? And what I find is the people who come to MCON and participate they are, they have that openness, right? Where they're willing to share. You could be a researcher on a layer three, like big brain kind of thing. And you're not like, you know, like um, cold shouldering people, right? Or like, you know, the, the 
I'm an executive like kind of vibe, right? Or like I wear a hedge fund, there's investing in VCs, uh, cryptos, where it's like, it's a different feel, you know? And I think like if we can continue to scale up that cultural model and bring that experience to other conferences and other events, which I'm excited to do as well, then we're really shifting the narrative. Then we're really welcoming people in from different um, different organizations, different um, disciplines, um, and kind of opening the door versus closing the door, right? And like putting ourselves in a club that feels above others, which doesn't actually serve the adoption mission that we want to do with, with the technology we're building. Yeah, that's a good point. So I was lucky enough to be at MCON 1, and I do consider myself lucky to have been at MCON 1, and lucky enough to be at MCON 2. And aside from the, the, the change in size and venue, right? And I think the number of people that came in, they're just... There, there was a consistency to it, but there was also a change to it. And I think both for the better. I wonder from your lens as someone who helped organize MCON 1 and 2, if you can describe maybe some of the intention behind these changes, both in getting a bigger venue and being consistent, though, still with the way that you curate the community that, that attends. Yeah, so the DAO community is growing Right, so for us to not grow the uh, attendee list of MCon would be a disservice to the growing DAO community. There are, you know, um, hand over foot people flooding into this ecosystem. They're coming with ideas. They're coming with, you know, skills and experience from Web two and and non technical backgrounds as well. So we're seeing an ad, the advent of a lot new, a lot of new teams, a lot of new products and projects coming into the space and wanting to add value in this ecosystem. So that was based just purely on, you know, seeing a lot of like good people who were like, you guys would love MCon, right? Like you would totally vibe. So we just sent mass kind of like invites out to teams that we really liked. And we're like, hey guys, come check it out. Hang out in Denver for a week. It'll be a good time. And we got a lot of good response from those folks as well. These were actually people who didn't even necessarily apply to MCon. Everyone that applied last, everyone that um, everyone that came to MCon last year applied again, of course, but then we went beyond and we added like 20% of people who didn't even know about the event to get fresh faces, fresh blood into the ecosystem and to spur some of those conversations that haven't been having had because you don't want an echo chamber. Crypto itself is an echo chamber. And so we need to grow the community in order to keep things fresh and to keep ideas flowing back and forth. So we went to 800 attendees this year um, out of 1,500 applications, and we were stoked to get that many people to show up and to, to participate. But it was based purely on the, the growing a number of contributors in the DAO ecosystem. You know, I like that you point out that the DAO ecosystem is growing, that there was an effort made to bring in people that may not have even been aware that MCON was happening, that MCON was a thing. I went to NFT NYC, and it was interesting to see the reduction in participation, the people that attended. Whereas in the DAO space, there was an increase, right? Surprising number of people that came in. There was a lot of people, and everybody was high energy. I, I attribute that, personally, I think that is because of the builder mentality. You know, it's not a speculative mentality. We aren't here to, like, you know, get rich off of running DAOs. We're here because we see the value in organizing better, in creating better incentives, and in decentralizing work, right? And I just felt like 
almost everyone that I talked to really was there with that type of mentality. I, it was also pretty awesome to see people from other countries uh, attending, and they're like, oh, yeah, this is my first time. I'm coming in from South Korea. And I was like, oh, that is rad. Awesome to see that type of representation, too. It was great. We have strong ties with the Nantes community in Seoul, and they have 300 residents there. So we were lucky to get Jen Lee, who has been a community operator there for a while. And she just invited a bunch of her, the cohort of the Nantes community out and, and people from different elements. Um, Shiyun um, comes in from Korea as well to, to our events. And it's like, it's really cool to see the cross collaboration. That's why I want to go to Dow Tokyo, right? Because I want to spend time with those folks over there and build bridges between Dow East and Dow West. Because I know they're doing it. I know they have cool things going on. Um, and we can share a lot of learnings and lessons in that process and keep expanding what we're doing with the DAOs um, more like internationally, basically. You know, it's, it's a very Western scene out here and especially at, at events that are very Western focused. You got to get out of the echo chamber and put yourself in new situations and, and, and get these uh, learnings and lessons from other communities that have taken them on. And I think that's what they did is they took a chance to come over here and learn from us and participate in an event. And everyone I talked to who, who came, came in and flew in was like, wow, just like, what a good feeling, like amazing, like this is unbelievable. And I'm like, great, let's do it in your neighborhood next. Okay, so I think you're kind of leaning into the next question that I had, and that is, what are some of the things that you would like to see at MCOM 3? It sounds like maybe it's some international presence, but yeah, I, I'd like to hear from you. Like what, if, if, the perfect world, the perfect scenario happened, what would MCOM 3 look like? I think like getting a more global representation of DAO operators would be a great starting point, right? So getting people from, you know, not just Europe or the Western United States, but like Asia, um, you know, and, and, different, and different spots in Africa, perhaps, like to talk a little bit about like impact, right? Experiences, um, how it's been with adoption over there. So we can really broaden our horizon and get a better picture of how adoption's going around the globe. Um, and then I would love to see like the community be able to participate in a way we have to do it in a sandbox, right? Where it doesn't crash and burn the entire conference, um, but a way for the community to participate or perhaps like, you know, value the event in some way because we do the event for free but our sponsors are able to support the event so there could be something in the works there with giving the community some ownership over the attendance of the event um, that we're going to be exploring and playing with this season between two and three so it's definitely going to scale up and get really cool um, and your attendance will be very valuable in the future I think right as you come to event year after year after year I love that I mean it wouldn't be like a, a meta cartel like type of vibe, if it didn't have that kind of forward thinking, you know, Dow breaking type of mentality. So I really like this idea of ownership, better ways to engage the community and global representation. I think that that's wonderful. So I'm really glad to hear all of that. I mean, for anybody that didn't go to MCON, what would you tell them? It sounds like you're already doing some of this, you know, when you were evangelizing, if you will, you know, to people who didn't even know MCON existed. But for those who may be listening to this podcast and getting a sense of the energy and the vibes at MCON too, how would you describe it? Um, it is a, <laughs> it feels like um, an experimental crypto circus <laughs> where it's like, 
people are coming in from all elements, all avenues, bringing ideas and, and good energy. It's no one's trying to sell you anything, right? It's purely conversation. There are so many opportunities. I brought at least like six friends who, before they met me, didn't know anything about crypto to this event. And not only did they find opportunities to collaborate with people, um, start new projects together, brew beer that has NFTs in it, right? Like all of these things that were like they had these skills to offer specifically, and they had never even touched Web three applications before. And they came to MCon. They're like, "Whoa! I see how what I'm doing can connect to this community, and this like technology can power like my dreams and my future reality." And so, like that's I think the opportunity that it holds coming to MCon. You got to go out on a limb, right? You're like, "I'm going to." MCon, I don't know, it's like, is it a real conference? Is it just like a giant party? Like you show up and you kind of, you get the feel. And it reminds me of like, like a web three burning man, right? Where like you're diving in, like, cause before you go to burning man, if you haven't been, you don't know what it's like, right? You just hear what people say and they're like, oh, it's like this or, oh, it's like that. And then you, you go, right? I never went to burning man before uh, 2018 and I went and I was like, Yes, it is all those things that people said and so much more because I went and I had my experience and it was a totally different experience than anyone else would have. And it's a similar thing. Like it is what you make it, right? And you can make it as amazing or as useless as you want to. So I think it's a great opportunity for people to like, you know, grab a lot of new connections, learn a lot, absorb like sponge, really, really sponge in and then go into like reflection afterwards. We're like, wait, my mind was just blown. Now what do I want to do? Yeah, one thing that I definitely took away from it was not just the main event, but also the side events that were happening just felt very different from side events that happened anywhere else. There were these smaller groups of people that were coming together and just kind of like, vibing and mind sharing all these things and just saying how how can we continue this experiment but in smaller circles it was a lot more intimate and you know i think that that just resonates with what you've said there which is it is a very individual experience and so going to these side events alongside mcon i think just kind of extends that individuality that that that, that experience so that you make these deeper connections so yeah I, I I very much was excited for MCON to walked away and I was like, this is probably the best thing that has ever happened in Web3. And I'm so hyped for MCON 3. You know, the side events, like I'm so I'm so pumped when people come out and they bring their their creativity, like get baked in paint, right? Like tacos and tequila, like uh the chain link came out and did a lobster or crawfish boil on the on the lawn, like it's just amazing, like hilarious, totally creative ideas. And it's honestly like maybe 50 to 150 people at each event. That is so intimate, right? Like when you go to an NFT NYC, you are jam packed like sardines into a nightclub with 2000 other people. And you're like, wait, would I do this at home if I wasn't at this crypto event? You're like, probably not, right? Like I lived in LA. I know what it's like to be in the nightclub life and I will not be found in those places anymore. So being able to hang out in a restaurant where we just kind of like bought out the restaurant and we're doing a jam with like 50, 75, 100 people is a whole different vibe. And it's something that feels really nice. It feels like intimate, like you said, right? You can hear each other talk. You can have some food. You can hang out. It's a happy hour. And I, you know, there's a bunch of happy hours, but there's also a bunch of really cool creative things that happen, right? People that run little panels, they do little meetups. 
And I think MCON has done a great job of curating who gets to run the side events in Denver. And like, to be real, you can just come out and run a side event, right? We don't stop you if you promote it, right? Um, I think like Utopia Labs came out and did like uh, bows and dows, like those little <laughs> meat pudding things. It was hilarious, right? It had like 75 people really focused attention. They're feeding them and talking about tech and, and, then, and then hamming out. Um, which is exactly what you want to have, right? You want an intimate experience. You want to have a good night where you chat with people and you don't want that ringing in your ear, right? And you're like, I had too many tequilas because it was like loud and I just wanted to get through it. Like we want to keep that vibe and try to scale that vibe. So I think like we, we also keep the conference like minimal, right? We do not put everyone and their mother on stage. We do not keep you there for eight hours. It's like four hours of talks and boom, you're out. Because you know what? By 1230, one o'clock, people are already starting to stream out of the venue anyway and into the lawn. So the one key vibe of MCON that we will never break from is lawn is essential. You have to have a lawn and it's always in the summer where people are outside. So maybe a big lawn next year. <laughs> Yeah, I remember MCON 1, there was a little strip of grass in front of the venue, and there was these circles being formed around these little strip of, strips of grass. Obviously, MCON 2 had a much larger lawn space, and yeah, I agree with you. There were a lot more people, I think, outside than there were inside, and it's, again, that more intimate connection between one another. I did want to kind of allude a little bit more to that in terms of the, I guess, exterior experience. Like even after, I think I would say MCON closed, even though there was no official closing, people stayed there. I was there till like 6.30, 7 o'clock on Friday. There was nothing happening, but no one was going home. We were just having such a great time chatting. Yeah, I was like, should we do a closing ceremony? Ah, nah, fuck it. <laughs> I was like, just let people do what they want to do, right? Like... You know we're thankful that you came. We know you had a good time, and uh, you know go off and enjoy yourselves. Basically, like we, we've just been trying to get people to Denver, and and Peter honestly is always like, go out and do a hike, right? Like go out into nature, and I'm always like, I'm totally gonna do a hike when I'm there. And then of course me doing what I have to do, I'm like, I have no time for a hike. Do not talk to me. I have to like run errands. So yeah, looking forward to more bringing on more uh, talented staff. And we had some great volunteers this year that helped make the thing smooth and, and scaling that up as we scale our sponsorships up for, for the next year so we can really have a smooth, well-oiled machine um, and everything's running well to make people's, um, people's experience the maximal high-value opportunity that they come for. Yeah, I think we can close on that. That was amazing. Well, Yaler, honestly, thanks. Thanks for your time. This was wonderful. And that's a wrap. I enjoyed every minute of this event, and I truly hope you got a sense of the energy from these conversations. I would highly recommend marking your calendar for MCON 3 next year, because I believe the spectacle would be even greater than ever. To learn more about MCON, go to mcon.fun and on Twitter at mcon underscore world. Thanks for listening to Crypto Sapiens. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a five-star review wherever you enjoy your podcasts. It costs zero dollars, means the world to us, and helps others discover this content too. You can also find more conversations like this one by visiting our website at cryptosapiens.xyz. I look forward to reconnecting with you at our next discussion.